I'm Captain Kirk. Fascinating. <laughs> I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. Thank you, thank you. Love you. Most illogical. I saw. Well, that was different. Yep, rousy, but different. Places, please. And here we go. Welcome, ladies, gentlemen, Pandronians, chickens, and things to episode 98 of the Puppet Tribe podcast. I'm Jarbid. And I'm Steve. We're here to compare, contrast, and confer about our two favorite franchises. Jarman, remind the folks what those are. Those are, of course, The Muppets and Star Trek, and we do one-to-one reviews of The Muppet Show and Star Trek The Animated Series. And this week, we have special Muppet Show guest Gene Kelly and Animated Series episode BAM. BAM. <laughs> so, Steve, who is this Gene Kelly person? I just never Gene heard Kelly <laughs> is an American icon, performer. He was a singer, a dance act, a choreographer, and eventually a director. His big roles came in hits like An American in Paris, Singing in the Rain, Brigadoon, and Inherit the Wind. He did turn director, he, uh, including 1969's Hello, Dolly. And in 1982, he received Lifetime Achievement Awards from the Kennedy Center, SAG, and AFI. Wow. All in the same year. It's impressive. What does our audience know him from? I, he died in like 96. He is it like an American icon? He's in all these musicals you may have seen, but you know, nothing recent. Yeah. Like he's, you would know of him from like clips of things singing in the rain. I mean, you just, you would, Oh yeah. You'd know him. Uh, but what's he up to on the Muppet show this week? Well, Gene isn't supposed to be there to perform or guest or a guest star. <laughs> Uh, so Kermit throws something else on some seal pups and penguins uh, sing uh, on a hot, uh, a hot island song in a cold Arctic region. <laughs> I, rem- I was reminded of that, uh, that South Park joke. No, we have to melt his cold heart with a hot island song like that. was immediately what came to mind. <laughs> I don't remember. That. Uh, Sco- Scooter reads bad omens backstage, causing Beauregard to think that the world is coming to an end. Kermit tricks Gene into a dance performance. And we get to see a rare full body Kermit dance. Yes. <laughs> uh, Beauregard furthers his fear that the world is ending. And uh, he becomes a patient on veterinarian's hospital because he's made it some sink, made himself sick. And on veterinarian's hospital, the announcer falls from the sky. Some dogs and a fiddle do an up, upbeat music number. Piggy begs Jean and singing with her. He relents. She, uh, changes for her next number and gene finishes singing to gonzo and i thought that was really cute that was cute uh the swine trek encounters a celestial body destined to expose the meaning of life they have to wait a minute but they all leave for dinner instead the newsman announces the meaning of life but his papers get disheveled and for maybe the first time he isn't physically harmed that's true we cut back from the swine trek where they're just done eating but they miss the meaning of life except for the announcer and he is injured something terrible. Poor announcer. Gene refuses to do singing in the rain. Lubbock Lou and his jug huggers go out in the rain and sing cool water instead. Gene finally agrees to sing backstage, singing a medley of songs, including Swonderful, You Were Meant For Me, For Me and My Gal, and finally he does singing in the rain. Mm-hmm. Kermit thanks Gene. Beauregard still thinks the world is ending, and that is what we call The Muppet Show. So, Jaron, what did you think of this week's episode with Gene Kelly? First off, is that the first time we've seen the announcer as a Muppet? 
I believe so, yes. I thought that was pretty cool. I was like, oh, it's the announcer. Well, you get to see him finally. That's neat. <laughs> well, and they even, I think it was one or two episodes ago where they made a reference that both Veterinarian's Hospital and the Swine Trek had the same announcer. Right, the first time they mentioned like it. They, yeah, they, like they turned at the camera and nodded to it. So this, I th- feel like, is a continuation of that. That was pretty cool. <laughs> but I, I generally, I like this a lot. And even though I usually get upset when the, the guest doesn't change outfits, doesn't do any characters, I feel like they did him very well with this setup that he wasn't supposed to be there to host. He's just there to hang out. And he would did a lot of adorable moments. He was really good with the Muppets. And I think that iconic thing with him and Kermit, like that was incredible. Uh, mm-hmm. I was watching this with a fiance and she's like, I've seen that, that clip before. I didn't know it was from this episode. I've seen that, that dance number with him and Kermit. Um, and then him just walking slowly through the set of singing in the rain. They recreated so perfectly was just so touching. It's like a goodbye to him, kind of walking off the set slowly and he did a little skip and he walked <laughs> off. I was like, that's so pretty and lovely. And so, and they had a great, um, the subplot of the end of the world permeated throughout all the back, all the different skits we're used to. And so I thought that went really well. So generally, this is a really upper episode for the season so far for me. Um, yeah, I mean, considering we're not very far into the yeah, season, <laughs> exactly. I would tend to agree. Um, I, I, I kind of didn't like I wish I could trade this for like the Bob Hope episode <laughs> where it's like, no, Bob's not there to perform. We don't have to see that much of him. Like, I wish we could have gotten a little bit more G <laughs> and <laughs> I feel true. like maybe the backstage plot hindered that a little bit. Well, maybe he was like not able to move around too much because he's older and maybe had some. That's true. It's difficulties. But it's one of those things where like I wanted more from him and then framing right. it in this. He's not there to perform was like, oh, OK, like a cop out kind of. <laughs> yeah, it felt felt bad. Um, but otherwise I agree. And you get both a veterinarian's hospital and a swine track mm-hmm. with like fourth wall break galore all throughout. Like, man, it was great. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, well, music this week, you got Jambalaya from Hank Williams, classic, uh, country star. Anytime I don't know anything about someone, I always love looking at their death and this is nuts. <laughs> so he was set to do this show. He got waylaid like six times. Finally, his manager hired some college kid to drive him to the next gig. He wasn't feeling really well, so they stopped by a doctor. The doctor gave him shots of vitamin B12 mixed with morphine. Uh, And then they had to, like, weekend at Bernie's him the remainder of the way. They switched drivers, and it was only after they switched drivers did they realize he had been dead. And not only dead, but dead long enough that he had set into rigor mortis. This was who again? What's like, his name? Wet. Uh, <laughs> this is Hank Williams. Like oh, country, yes. <laughs> original country superstar. I just did a video about this for that YouTube company I work for, that grunge video. And they just they didn't tell me yeah. about the original part, taking him to get a shot. They just said that he had some beer in the back of the car and he just died in the back of the car. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's even more. No, information. They went. They took him to a doc to like pep him up and they gave him B12 and morphine. Yeesh. With beer, it's not a good idea. Um so the next uh, song is Fit as a Fiddle, and this was featured in Singing in the Ring. Uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, you Wonderful You. Kelly performed this one also with Judy Garland in the movie Summer Stock. Ah. After that, you get Cool Water with Lubbock Lou and the Jug Huggers uh, by Bob Nolan. He was a founding member of the Sons of the Pioneers, which is one of the earliest like Western superstar singing groups. Interesting. Uh, Swonderful by the Gershwin Brothers, and it was from Broadway show Funny Face. Good song. You Were Meant for Me uh, by Brown and Freed. It was made famous in the 1929 musical film The Broadway Melody. Uh, For Me and My Gal from the 1942 film of the same name, 
Um, and this was another film that Gene Kelly did with Judy Garland. They did multiple together uh, where they played a vaudeville performers. And then one of them is drafted. And to get out of it, he maims himself. But then she leaves him. Oh, God. It's, it's, I, yeah, it's, it sounds dark. Um, <laughs> and then finally, Singing in the Rain from the 1952 classic of the same name. In 1989, this was one of the first 25 films selected by the Long Library of Congress to be put into the National Film Registry. Oh, wow. So this is one of the first 25 they ever selected. It's a great film. Very easy watch for an old yeah. movie. So, Jeremy, what did you think was the best Muppeteering moment this week? Um, I got to say the Gene teaching Kermit to dance, it was probably difficult to pull off and it was iconic and adorable. Um, the whole thing. I just loved it. <laughs> yeah, that, that got my money, too. They've done this effect many times, but I think this time it was ultra important for it to be perfect. And it was. Yeah. With the black background. So you can't see the puppeteers and stuff. We've seen this effect not go well, and this was not one of those times. Yeah, it was just perfect for the two of them. A great perfect. moment. And I will say, I should have added uh, this earlier. I fully agree. Yeah, that was just a great moment. But um, we started looking up Gene Kelly just to make sure nothing bad happened with him, no scandals or anything like that. And apparently, he was a wonderful guy. And he was he testified against the McCarthy hearings, and they accused his wife of com- being a communist sympathizer. And they weren't going to let her renew her contract with Universal because she was an actress as well, performer. And so he said, well, I'm not going to do any more films unless you put my wife back on screen. And so when they're like, oh, shit, we're going to lose Gene Kelly. Never mind. She's, she's good. She, <laughs> she's not a communist. <laughs> and he was well, just, someone someone just did the did the math and was like, all right, how much would it take for us to to badmouth Gene Kelly in public <laughs> right. versus how much money we're going to lose? Exactly. All right. We'll keep him. He's just a good all around good guy, though. He never did anything bad. So good for him. Or he didn't get caught. So, <laughs> no, he just didn't get caught. Good for you, Gene Kelly. Uh, but, so, German, tell us what's up with this week's episode, Bam. Bam. Uh, Matt Damon. So, this episode, Bam. we have the Enterprise going on exploratory missions with the honorary commander, Ari Bin Bem. He's a representative from a newly contacted planet that's called Pandro, and he's there to observe the Federation and see if there's something they might like to join, perhaps. But he doesn't seem to be doing much observing. He's just staying in his quarters and being really antisocial and weird. Um, But then he suddenly forces his way onto an away mission that they're going on to a dangerous planet that may have natives there who are primitive and violent. And they're supposed to just uh, observe the prime directive and stay away from them, but kind of figure out what this planet's all about. So he goes with them. He beam, they beam down to the planet. He set the coordinates for some reason. So, uh, Kirk and Spock fall in the water instead of landing on land. And so he jumps in to save them. Bam, he's such a nice guy. But really, his bottom half of his body is separating and going over and sneakily taking away their phasers and their communicators and switching that them That was out. so weird. It was very weird. And switching them out with fake ones. So it's then revealed to us, the audience, that Bem is a colony species, meaning he's one being made up of several sentient parts that can separate from one another and float around, apparently. But they come together to form Bem, like he's like a transformer. It's like uh, Ultron. Ultron, yeah. So Bem himself gets himself captive, captured by the natives of the planet, apparently on purpose, because apparently he's really there to observe Kirk and the Federation in a way to test them to see if there are worthy or intelligent enough species that they want to even relate with. Um, and in an attempt to free Bem, Kirk and Spock are also captured by the natives. So Bem wants to see if Kirk can rescue him from the natives with no phaser or communicator as a test. But once Kirk finds out that he had switched out his communicator and phaser, he gets pissed off. So he gets his phaser back from Bem, gets them out of the cages, 
and is about to stun one of the natives when they're attacking, but suddenly a godlike entity, big surprise, freezes them in place and disintegrates their phasers and says, don't hurt my children. Uh, apparently the natives are its children. So Kirk eventually apologizes to the entity and it lets them go, telling them they have to go back to their ship now. But Bem has run off again like a jackass. <laughs> so he gets captured by the natives again and for some reason doesn't use his separation ability to separate and get away from them. But Kirk stuns the natives and frees Bem. And now Bem is ashamed for getting caught and for causing so much trouble. So he wants to end his own life. But the godlike entity tells him not to and to instead go on living, but learn from his experience. So Kirk then agrees to leave and tell no one to ever go to this planet again. And they leave in peace. And hopefully Bem goes to jail. <laughs> but, but anyway, Steve, what do you think? They of this really episode? let him get away with some shit. I know. Um, okay. So some things I liked. Bem, the, that was love hate. <laughs> when they got like 30 seconds in and they introduced his character, I went, oh, it's the name of a character. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> um, just a special guest commander. And the fact that he was a lizard cat made it like, that much more audacious. <laughs> lizard cat. <laughs> um, like literally a guest alien of the week. They just stared into the camera and looked it down. Um, mm -hmm. I loved them getting fooled by very obvious means. Like they just got pickpocketed. Yeah, there wasn't some like additional <laughs> crazy thing. He just stole their shit. They didn't um, notice. I like that we got like cat lizards, and then we got full on lizard men. Mm -hmm. Very the, angry. The colony men. creature revolve, and you said like, "Oh, big surprise, a uh, uh, godlike alien." But I was surprised because I was like, "Oh my god, they threw a godlike alien <laughs> on top of all of this, all this crap going on." <laughs> so maybe that that's one of the things I maybe disliked a little bit. There were too many things. Yeah. The betraying guest, the fact that he was a colony of things, aggressive lizard men, and then an all-powerful, benevolent alien god of some sort. Too much. <laughs> um, and then I love how even after like they come to save him and stuff, Dub's like, I still am testing you, Captain. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, they had nothing else for this character. Like They were just like, if he doesn't have this, he has nothing. So we got to make him have this hard. <laughs> Um, overall, not a great episode for the show, I think, in general. <laughs> but who knows? We're still like, we still got a good amount of this season to go. And I will say I was entertained by this episode because it was just bonkers, kind of weird. Um, it was just, I like having a, a unique alien that's physiology is very different and it's a colony creature, which is interesting concept. I thought that was cool. I did think the dialogue between Spock and Kirk was really funny. I laughed out loud a couple times when they're talking about Bem and how weird he is and it's like, sir, I think there's this is opportunity for us to change tactics now. <laughs> it's like, yes, Spock, I agree. Um, but yeah, and then another all-powerful being thrown in that was just it wasn't necessary. It was out of place. But but not. I don't think it was terrible. We've seen a lot worse animated series episodes that weren't as entertaining. I think. In my yeah, opinion. Uh, absolutely. I would agree with that. At least this one had some bonkers stuff going on, <laughs> yeah. despite it being a little bit broken. <laughs> Lizard cat person. Um, <laughs> but some trivia for the episode. Uh, this is the first time, which is pretty cool, that James T. Kirk's middle name of Tiberius was ever said out loud in canon. Or not, really? Yeah. It wow. was uh, first listed in the Star Trek original series guides that were before this episode. But this is the first time it's revealed on screen. Um and although the animated series is not considered canon by Gene Roddenberry, many writers of later series helped to canonize several of these shows' elements, and the name Tiberius was finally confirmed in a different thing in the Undiscovered Country, the sixth movie. Okay. Um, that's the next time it was said. 
Uh, this episode was originally developed for the first season of the original series, but it was postponed because the writers David Gerald and DC Fontana were disappointed with Gene Roddenberry's frequent changes to the script. And Roddenberry added the idea of a godlike entity to the script. And Gerald was originally disappointed with this because he felt the idea had been used enough times on Star Trek, the original series. <laughs> However, he eventually <laughs> he, became satisfied with his final script. He wasn't wrong. He wasn't wrong. So he had misgivings, and that was Gene Roddenberry's idea. Um, the title of the episode, BEM, is an old science fiction term meaning bug-eyed monster. And I okay. didn't know that. And the episode's author, David Gerald, selected that acronym during production of the original series when they were writing this episode for that for use as both the title of the episode and the alien featured. Um, he believed it'd be fun to have an actual big-eyed monster in Star Trek, though this was not fulfilled in the original series because of it would be too expensive. And the character of Ben was never intended to be true to his namesake and actually be a big-eyed monster. But that was pretty funny. Um, so this is a, a little longer one, but it's interesting. Uh, the Star Trek offices received an undated story outline on the 14th of March, 1968 for BEM from David Gerald for Star Trek's third season. The treatment begins with four page premise, pitching the story as how the enterprise crew deals with the truly alien non-humanoid crew member concluding on earth today. Prejudice is an emotional reaction. And we try to defeat it by showing that it is illogical as well as immoral. But what if Spock were able to show a logical reason for being prejudiced? What then would be the answer? Emotion? <laughs> so I guess they're trying to find a reason where you could be prejudiced. Uh, the next 16 pages sketch out a thin story concerning how specialist in subspace mechanics and astrotechnology BEM comes around to the Enterprise to assist on a mission to observe the star Zeta Omicron, which is about to go Nova. And BEM himself is described as a being of the race of Schlossers, creatures who have developed symbiotic relationships with other creatures so much so that their graspers or hands and walkers feet can detach for periods of time and act independently. And the teaser would have ended with Bem shaking hands with Kirk and playing a joke by detaching the grasper so that Kirk is left holding the hand, establishing that the alien is a practical joker. The rest of the story concerns itself with Bem impending, impeding the mission through his practical jokes, particularly targeted at Spock, only to save the Vulcan at the climax. And in the end, it is revealed that Spock and Bem have come to an understanding with Spock revealing... On the planet Schloss, the only way to stop a practical joker is to out-joke him. Whereupon, Bem cries, Have at me, a hot foot! <laughs> Whichever that means. But isn't the next episode named The Practical Joker? Yes, which is weird. Just steal half a premise? I guess it went towards that episode, which we'll see next, which is really strange. Well, I'll be now I'm extra interested to see if they actually just use that. Yeah, so that, that whole premise, we'll see how much of that carries on to the next episode. But it's interesting. So, Steve, what are our Trek Muppet connections this time? Oh, around? boy. Well, this one comes via memory beta, so take it with a grain of salt. Ah, uh, the books and uh, such. Yeah. So, one of Gene Kelly's most famous performances when, was in 1952, Singing in the Rain. Mm -hmm. This film, and in particular, one of Gene Kelly's dance numbers, was a favorite of USS Enterprise human Minnie Mouskowitz from Star Trek, the original series short story, The Girl Who Controlled Gene Kelly's Feet. That's so weird. <laughs> yep. Uh, Gene Kelly did a two-episode arc on The Love Boat. Oh, no. Yes, finally. <laughs> and as we've discussed, many, many Muppet Show guests and Star Trek one-shot actors have been on The Love Boat. Delicious. <laughs> we ain't gotten to use it in a while. I know, it's uh, true. <laughs> and then Gene Kelly had a small role in the 1985 TV series North and South. Mm. And this was also Kirstie Alley in the lead, who played Savick in Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan. 
Aha, uh-huh, yes. Good Bam. One. Very good ones. Well, of course, because these were the same episode. They were. Tell us about it. <laughs> Both featured people performing jobs they weren't supposed to. Mm. Gene not performing and Commander Bem as a casual observer turned into like way team crew member. That's true. Uh, I have pretty much something similar. Both episodes have a guest star arrive and not do as they're expected. Gene okay. Kelly says he isn't going to host and he does. Or he doesn't get to. And Ben was supposed to be an observer, but instead was there to test Kirk in the crew. So, yeah. Uh, both feature extreme climates, the humid jungles and rainforest in Star Trek and the Arctic tundra in the opening number Jambalaya. Oh, that's very show. true. Uh, this is similar to my f- the first two, but both episodes have someone tricking someone into an action. Kermit tricks Gene Kelly to get him to perform on stage. And Ben tricks Kirk into getting down on the planet with him so he can test him. Uh, both feature unexpected legs and floppy green arms. <laughs> Bem when he detaches and pickpockets them, and Kermit in the full body shot dancing with Gene Kelly. Oh, that's very true. Both very have true. unexpected legs and floppy green arms. Never thought you'd say that sentence, did you? Nah. <laughs> oh, God, what's that noise? Transporter malfunction. <laughs> transporter malfunction. All right, it's part of the show where we transport one character from one episode to the other, and vice versa. So, what you got first, Steve? Oh, man. Uh, Trekked him up as this week. I'm going to bring over Bem uh, to replace Gene Kelly. He's only there to observe the Muppet show, but eventually he pickpockets them all and <laughs> destines them for failure. <laughs> what a jerk. I what a jerk. Uh, Trekked him up. It's I have the godlike entity take the place of the impending end of the world in the Muppet episode. <laughs> so nice. they finally get the meaning of life. It's just like that uh, godlike entity saying, you are my children. <laughs> <laughs> they are my children. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, I'm going to bring over the jug huggers and replace the brutish lizard men. Oh, the British standing lizard out in the men? rain. Brutish. Oh, <laughs> that's a br- the brutish lizard men. That makes sense. That checks out. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to have Gene Kelly come over and take the place of Bem, a reversal of yours. He'd be nice. so charming instead of infuriating like Bem was. So the whole crew is trying right. to please him and make him happy. He's He's there putting things in people's pockets. Yeah, here you go. Enjoy I'm sorry. That. I saw. I I saw you drop this. Do you want ten dollars too? Here you go. You're swan. Here's an extra tricorder. Don't <laughs> ask where I got it. Let's, I'll just dance away now. All right. So that brings us to the end of episode ninety-eight of Muppet Trek podcast. Join us next time for the Muppet Show with special guest Loretta Swit. <laughs> Animated series episode: The Practical Joker. So from the lovers, the dreamers, and us, live long and prosper, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Muppet Trek Podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. This podcast has been brought to you by A Play on Nerds.